are listening to the Jcast Journey, the inaugural podcast of Jcast Network. I'm Daron Resquet, the executive director and executive producer of Jcast Network, and I will be your host on this chronicling of the creation of a new Jewish media project. I first want to thank all of our listeners uh, who downloaded our first episode. We've made it as high as number one in the new and noteworthy section of Jewish podcasts on iTunes, and number 114 in popularity of all Jewish podcasts. It's amazing, to say the least, that all of this has happened in such a short period of time. I also want to thank everyone who have sent me messages, messages of encouragement, messages with comments and suggestions, and I invite you all to stay in touch. The easiest way is on our website, jcastnetwork.org, where you can comment on this podcast or send us messages, or you can use Twitter, at jcastnetwork, or via email, at druske, at jcastnetwork.org. Today I want to talk a little bit more about the genesis of Jcast Network, where the idea came from, and why I'm sure that it'll be a success. I've been an avid podcast listener, I was late to the game of getting an iPad, iPod, but remember, you don't need an iPod to listen to a podcast. But I found podcasts so compelling. I used to listen to news radio at work, but after the election season, I found Air America Radio to be repetitive and annoying. But I wanted content. I thirsted for content. Podcasts were the perfect place for the content. My interests were varied. Politics, technology... Judaism, humor, culture, education, and through podcasts, I was able to find just that content, just exactly what I was looking for. And one podcast led to the next. It was the networks of podcasts that was so compelling. I would never have found the Slate Spoiler Special, a podcast that talks about nothing but the latest movies and spoils them. If I had not already been listening to the Slate Political Gabfest and the Slate Culture Gabfest, and with two young twins, I have to say that listening to a spoiler special is about as close as I can get to go to the movies these days. And the Slate Culture Gabfest led me to Coverville, a cover music podcast, where, thanks to host Brian Ibbett, I've learned about many of my favorite musicians over the past few years. But Slate was a recognizable big media company. That didn't translate into me being able to do this. Did it? But there were others who came before me who did make it seem possible. I have to start with the king of podcasting, Leo Laporte. I have been a huge fan of Leo for many years. I watched him on Tech TV, a cable channel dedicated to tech enthusiasts, until it was ruined. Well, once Tech TV was no more, he and a number of his friends, co-workers from Tech TV, got together and recorded a podcast. He was already doing a syndicated radio show, so he had the infrastructure But that first podcast led to more, and the Twit Network was born. Over the past five and a half years, he has slowly grown and now has 40 hours of live programming a week, is about to move into a huge studio in Petaluma, California, and according to the New York Times article in December of 2010, he expects four to five million dollars in revenue this year, with a staff of over 15. 
He followed his passions and was able to create something compelling that spoke to an audience, and he succeeded at it. Another big influence is Kevin Smith. And for those of you who know who Kevin Smith is, yes, I use the word big intentionally and with all of its connotations. Kevin is best known as a film director of such films as Clerks, Dogma, and Chasing Amy. I have been a big fan of his, as he is a master storyteller. At some point, he began to do a college speaking tour, which soon outgrew the college circuit. During these speeches, better referred to as performances, he told stories, answered questions, and told a lot of off-color jokes. From there, he began a podcast entitled Smodcast. This was just him chatting with his producing partner and straight man, Scott Mosier. From that one podcast, he then opened up to a number of podcasts hosted by his friends, and he now has 17 shows on his Smodcast network, including two live daily shows, one with his wife and the other his acting partner, Jason Muse, the J of J and Silent Bob. Kevin portrays Silent Bob in his movies, which is quite surprising because no one would consider Kevin a silent person. Kevin had gotten tired of the medium of film to tell his stories, so he began using podcasts as a new medium of getting his creative juices flowing. Now Adam Carolla currently has the single most popular podcast out there. And again, his podcast network, which now includes nine shows, the flagship show being the Adam Carolla show, emerged naturally. When fired from his radio gig in L.A., he chose to feed his creative juices by jumping headfirst into this new medium. Now, Adam has a huge fan base based on his old radio show, his hosting of The Man Show, his co-hosting of Live Love Line on the radio and then on MTV. But he saw the possibilities, and he and some of his friends decided to make a go of it and created the ACE Broadcasting Network. I am also emboldened by people I know outside of the technology and new media world who have taken their great ideas or vision of a need and linked it with their entrepreneurial spirit to create amazing organizations. One of my dearest family friends, Peter Geffen, saw a hole in the Jewish education world and saw a need for a progressive Jewish day school in New York. And rather than think that the idea was just too big, too impossible to consider, he went forward, and the Abraham Joshua Heschel School was founded. He later saw a need for greater teacher training for day school teachers, and Kivunim was created. And Kivunim for teachers, he moved into creating an amazing gap year program for teens in their post-high school, pre-college year. Many would have been scared off thinking that USY and Young Judea had the market cornered, But Peter had the faith in his vision and the passion for the project. And all of these projects are now amazing successes. And a newer friend, although we've now been in connection for over a decade, Amichai Laulevi, is one of the most creative Jewish educators I have ever met. He had a vision for reviving the lost craft of the maven, the traditional storyteller who translated the Hebrew Torah into the local language. His idea was to use dramatized interpretations traditional chanting, original music, and live interaction to take the Bible off the page and onto the global stage. This idea of his became storytelling, which has been tremendously successful and is a powerful tool used all over the country and worldwide to reconnect people to our ancient stories. He took his idea and did not let the fear of building something new keep him from moving forward. Storytelling just celebrated its bar mitzvah, 
with a gala event. And Amichai looks to be handing off his baby, off to others, to run. <clears throat> but what was once just an idea, a passion of his, is now a well-respected institution and has changed the landscape. If they can do it, why can't I? I have the idea. I have the passion. I have the know-how. The answer is, I can. Gary Vaynerchuk, another person who took his passions and created something amazing in this new media world through Wine Library TV and now The Daily Grape, wrote in his book, Crush It, Why Now is the Time to Cash In on Your Passion, that if you have a passion, you need to follow it. And you will work harder than you ever have before, but you'll have more success and more satisfaction than you've ever had before as well. I've had passions. I've had desires to do something entrepreneurial before. Years ago, I created JewishLifeCycle.com, which I created as an online yard site reminder service. And a few years ago, I began Gadget Dreamhouse, in which I tried to sell a number of my personal technology product inventions and, so, and had some interest. But when push came to shove, I didn't jump. Either I had a full-time job or I didn't have the seed money I needed to make the idea really happen or I was just a little too scared. It's interesting to note that since I let the concept of JewishLifeCycle.com go, someone else has taken the mantle and YardsideCandle.org does exist and sends Yardside reminders. And if you walk through a Radio Shack or one of the local big box electronics stores, some of my inventions made by bigger companies are now a reality. I get some level of pleasure to know that these things that I thought were great ideas had legs, but I'm also a little disappointed that I wasn't the person to make them happen. Well, this time it'll be different. I know that there's a need for Jcast Network. I know that I have the skills for Jcast Network. And I know that I have the energy for Jcast Network. As Gary Vaynerchuk threatened, I have worked harder in the past seven weeks to launch Jcast Network. And I have had more satisfaction in the past seven weeks than I have had at any time in the past. And I stand on the shoulders of those who came before and showed that it is possible that a podcast network makes sense and has huge potential for success and that high-quality Jewish content is welcome and will be embraced as long as you're not too scared to try. The opening and closing music for today's show is Standing on the Shoulders by Doug Kotler. In our first episode, I forgot to credit the music that opened and closed the show, which was the Moshav Band's Breshit. Links to the podcast networks, organizations, companies, and musicians mentioned in this podcast are available on our website at jcastnetwork.org. I invite you to connect with Jcast Network. We can be found online at jcastnetwork.org, on Facebook at facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. Our Twitter handle is jcastnetwork, and I can be contacted via email at druske at jcastnetwork. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I hope you'll consider writing a review on our iTunes page.